Hi, and welcome to the Stefan Levera podcast focused on Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today, we have a very special episode. It's the start of a series on BTC Pay Server. So the episode today is with Rockstar Dev. But first, let me introduce the sponsors of the show. In a space where there are many Bitcoin exchange hacks and many exchanges that come and go, Kraken are one of the longest standing Bitcoin exchanges. They are consistently rated the best. They operate really well and they've got an incredible focus on security. They've got a high quality platform. They've got some of the best liquidity in the industry. They've got high trading volume and low fees. Kraken also have 24-7 support. If you're on the institutional and business side, they offer the highest available API rate limits. There's a Kraken OTC desk. Kraken offer five fiat currencies and also offer margin and futures trading. To learn more and sign up, go to the Kraken link in the show notes. Have you looked into Unchained Capital? They're a Bitcoin financial services company offering a two of three keys multi-signature vault product. You still maintain control with your two keys and you still reduce the single point of failure risk. So multi-signature helps protect you against the proverbial $5 wrench attack as your keys are distributed. This is an option for individuals and also for institutions. The institutions have an option to do a one of three keys setup where the third key is actually held by an independent third party. Also, Unchained offer Bitcoin collateralized loans so you can get USD liquidity without selling your Bitcoins, meaning you don't trigger a capital gains event. While that loan's outstanding, it's stored in collaborative custody with Unchained. So to learn more and sign up, go to the Unchained Capital link in the show notes. So this is a special interview series I wanted to do about BTC Pay Server, an important project in Bitcoin that helps provide free, censorship-resistant payment processing for merchants, along with many other benefits. Quick note, if you haven't already listened to episode SLP 48 with Nicola Dorier, go and check that one out too. I may even retrospectively add it to this series. Hopefully after this series, you'll be motivated to try out BTC Pay Server for yourself, familiarize with it, and teach your Bitcoin newbie friends how to set it up. Also, how cool is it that BTC Pay Server is being used as part of the recently announced Tor crowdfunding campaign? Go and donate to the Tor campaign and to BTC Pay Server also. Rockstar is a funny guy, and I really enjoyed chatting with him. Here's the interview, which I'm sure you'll love. Rockstar, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, man. So, Rockstar, you're uh, very well, you're infamous in the Bitcoin community, uh, and I thought it would be great to get some focus on you and people can learn a little bit more about your background. I wanted to start with your name, Rockstar Dev. Now, I understand within the software recruitment world there's a bit of a trope or a meme of this idea of oh you've got to hire this guy he's a rock star dev or the person trying to hire someone be like no we really want a rock star level developer is that where your name came from well i mean it is that kind of a joke right because everybody is like when they say they want to hire a rock star developer they really want somebody who is working 12 hours a day right without requirements or anything so it is a joke, but actually there is a there is a secret meaning behind that name, which I will show you when we meet in person and you know do the party stuff. So you will you will also get that component of being a rock star. <laughs> and the other the other trope is um, the one of how let's say some new technology has only existed for two years, and they'll say, "Oh, we're looking for someone with five years experience." So look, yeah. I think BTC Pay Server has been around for less than one year. So look, I'm looking for somebody with at least three years BTC Pay Server experience. Have you got that? Yeah. 
Yeah, I do, man. I do. And then there is that also great comic on the topic, right? Where they're hiring Rockstar developer and the guy, you know, just throws the chair out of the out of the office and, you know, like starts partying at whatever. And then they're like, yeah, let's hire this guy. So, <laughs> I mean, we just just turn it into a joke, I guess. I guess that's it, because if you're if we're serious about software development, yeah, you want you always want steady guys, right? Like low profile ones. I mean, even even if you look at the Bitcoin development, the those that are really driving Bitcoin development, you don't see them, you know, shit posting on Twitter like me. So <laughs> you know, the the guys are actually doing work, and then when you ask them a question, they were very serious, steady, and so I don't know. Us rock star developers will just you know entertain people and let the let the you know guys do real work and will help as much as we can with our own effort, right? Right, and let's let's talk about your background as a software developer. Then tell us a little bit of how you got into it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was always fascinated with computers. It's just one of those things as a as a kid where you know like especially when when you're starting out and you're just like playing games on computers right and back in the 80s and 90s the games i mean they they left a lot to be desired and you need to use way more imagination than today right but there were some seriously good games even back then and then i was fascinated with computers and beyond playing games it was always this concept of automating work right because uh i guess that's that's how all humans are wired if you can do do something once perfectly and then have that repeat over and over like that's extremely attractive so so that that was that was the biggest thing for me that's like and i simply wanted to understand how to you know uh, direct these devices to do my bidding and uh and i started my my first say programming like i even did basic back on commodore 64 but i really got into it yeah with uh, .NET framework when microsoft released that and uh my first job is was like 2002 so Looking that now it's 2019, man, I'm old geezer, <laughs> 17 years professionally. No, I mean, I'm serious. I, I know, I'm, especially today, I also joked on Twitter how these young upcoming guys, like back in the day when I was, you know, I mean, it's still 2002, so it's not too much back in the day, but man, programmers weren't as pretty as Nicholas and and blue mat so <laughs> yeah. well you gotta no, be an I mean, attractive serious, you saw that right like you saw how attractive both of them are <laughs> come on yeah for sure for sure i you know how how, how, how can a normal mortal keep up with yeah. someone that attractive it's very difficult yeah and i mean it's it's ridiculous man like not only great programmers but like good looking guys I don't know, but to get back onto me, yeah, 2002 started professionally, and since then, 17 years in this coding thing. I've 
programmed in you know big companies small companies back in europe sometime in asia then here in us last 10 years mostly startups and this is, yeah that's that's me and programming in short so how about your experiences then contrasting whether you've done open source development versus closed source development what are your thoughts on that yeah, I mean, it is quite interesting to compare how how it is working in a in a some corporation or on a project that's proprietary, and everybody's like, "Oh, you know, nobody can see this code." Right? And then usually, when nobody can see the code, it's you know pretty shitty. So <laughs> that, that's always been heuristic. Like if if somebody won't let you see their code, like you can bet it's pretty bad. So. But but what fascinates me when I compare those two fields is uh, how underfunded open source is and still how passionate people are about it. Because if you re- really look at it, like there is really no other profession that like, uses their free time the way programmers do, right? Like... You have programmers who work eight hours for some corporation and then, you know, you ask them like, okay, when you go home and what is your hobby? And they're like, okay, more programming. (laughs) It is kind of ridiculous. So, but it's, it's fascinating to me really. And especially on BTC based server, it's fantastic community, lots of passionate people, both programmers and, you know, non-programmers, but people that are still really important, really contributing a lot. And I would say, I would really say like, if you want to get into Bitcoin development, but you know, you, you can't start from Bitcoin core or you're not, you know, C++ wizard, you come, come and see BTC pay server. I'm, I'm sure, you know, people will stick with because of the community. So let's talk about BTC Pay Server and why it is so special. It was obviously, you know, everyone knows the story of Nicola Dorier and so on. But from your point of view, I'd like to hear why do you think it's special? Well, I, I think it's special if I start going through my list of reasons. The number one is definitely BTC Pay Server as a model. Because, uh, and and I even said this recently in some discussion, I think, with Pierre, uh, our awesome Pierre, uh, that I really believe that future of, especially Bitcoin, is, is open source. Like any big company in Bitcoin ecosystem that wants to, you know, be impactful and uh, like good for the community will need to be open source exactly because the the one of the biggest beauties of bitcoin is that you know opting in and opting out and you know proof of work where you are picking you know what what is bitcoin by simply like looking at different parameters and uh and and then when I said BTC Pay Server as a model, I meant on you had a situation with BitPay that was extremely unfortunate, where 
they were the ones deciding for tens of thousands of merchants, you know, what is Bitcoin? And not only they were deciding, but they were, you know, trying to, you know, mingle, like be funny with, with the whole thing and, you know, lead the narrative in certain direction. And it was like, yeah, we will just transfer all the merchants to Segway2x if you don't like it, you know, tough luck. And people were, like all those merchants that were using it, BitPay were in an unfortunate position because you want to keep your business running, but you don't want to support Segway2x, right? So, so that's what I love about BTC Pay Server that, uh, you know, example of a model how this all should work. If BitPay wants to be a big company, Bitcoin ecosystem, ideally they should have been open source. And then when they management decides to support Segwit2x, then every merchant can say, okay, yo, I don't support it. I'll bring up my own instance. You know, this is Bitcoin for me. And, and yeah, I wish to see that for all the projects in, in Bitcoin ecosystem too know have have that ability to for people to host their own instance and have full access to yeah source code yeah i love what you're saying there about that idea of self-sovereignty i think that was a lesson that many bitcoiners learned this idea that in the past oh i'll just trust bitpay to yeah. deal with it for me but now with uh, what happened is essentially the anti-fragility of bitcoin kicked in and then btc pay server came and now people have that option to not trust some external service. And one cool thing about that is when you run BTC Pay Server, you're actually also running a full node. Yeah, yeah. And it's all, all about that. And if you look at Bitcoin itself, it's so fascinating how now you have this uh, money or however we call it. I mean, it's not even money. It's 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 like a new element you know new goal that that's completely but but you have a system to transfer value between people without like without any you know intermediary eventually and what fascinates me with bitcoin mostly like is how like it's such a big invention first money that's not issued by government and yet people are still you know talking you know it's you know, a bubble, it's this, it's that. And um, that Peter guy is crazy with gold, man. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like he can make, what, what did he say? He can make uh, cufflinks, right? Yes, it was cufflinks. He was basically trying to yeah, say something yeah. like you can make something out of it. Or he, he's very focused on this idea of going back to like some kind of industrial value to it. Yeah, yeah, man. Everybody will, will have a gold coins and carry them in those little pouches, right? And then, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It's so funny. But no, in all seriousness, respect to gold community, but that guy is just, it's, he's so funny, man. I can't help it. And it's my fascination with people like that that just, you know, they decide and then they try to make the whole world and everything fit their, you know, views. 
but but yeah, they make so many good jokes in the process, so you can at least laugh. So that's yeah, we good. can have some fun along the way. Uh, well, another yeah. topic I'm interested for you to touch on is now I agree with you about this idea that I think the future is going to be open source, but I'm just envisioning some listeners who maybe they're not as familiar with that idea. They might be thinking, "What? Hang on." how am I going to protect my own business model? So do you have any thoughts on how a company can be open source, but still be profitable? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't even need to go into details considering you know, Mattermost raised what, like 50 million VC recently, because in the end, it's all about service. That's how I see it. It's, it's all about creating value and, Especially with software, that's that's something that more and more people are realizing. I mean, source code itself, I mean, it does depend on the model. But I would say you will have increasing number of business models that simply work without so much focus being on, you know, let's hide the code, right? If you look at, I don't know, Red Hat as an example of, open source done extremely, extremely well. You're in position where you can send zero dollars to Red Hat, yet people are sending them tons of money. And what, like IBM bought them for 35 billion? You, you just realize that at the end of the day, it is all about value creation and interaction between us humans and then, you know, organizations those groups of people that come together to provide a service and just providing building value and always like the most of the value is not in the code man i mean it's it's value is always between people and even if you look at bitcoin as an example what's what what's the value of, of that source code it's again all the network effect all the people you know, that they're participating in Bitcoin ecosystem. It is community. It is history even. So source code is there. People are trying to fork it, you know, creating their own Bitcoin or whatever they you know, try to pedal. But in the end, it's, yeah, it's, it's people. So you so that's that's how i really see the future and and more and more companies are realizing that i i for example love what microsoft is doing on that topic i mean they're open sourcing more and more and they they just should keep going and yeah so yeah so i think aligned with that is it's this idea that you might produce certain software but what typically happens is that the people who are coding that or working with that have a better knowledge of it and they can then deliver it as a service. So even though the software, for example, in the Red Hat model, which is a famous model, the software itself is free, but then if you want service and the support, that's where you pay them. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, again, like there are likely softwares that will forever, or for at least a reasonable amount of time, uh stay closed source and models where i don't know you're you don't want a source code of every uh i don't know candy crush game clone from app store right but really for for anything in bitcoin ecosystem 
Like I, I really believe all the companies should, should go in that direction and then focus on service. And it like I'm, I'm really you need to give me examples and I'll be hard pressed to identify a company that, you know, needs to stay close source in Bitcoin ecosystem. Yeah, no, agreed. And another point that you might touch on is around this idea of in Bitcoin, it's very as the Bitcoin itself is a bearer asset, those he who holds the private keys holds the coins. And then even by necessity, the code has to be open source for that reason as well. So that people can place trust in the software that they're using. Yeah. And, and really it's, it's such a great feeling to participate in this global community of people and improve in that fashion where everything is public. I mean, just look at you and me, man. How would we ever meet if it wasn't for Bitcoin and everything like that? And it's, it, it's really beautiful because you meet all these people that you share beliefs with and somehow together, you, you're working together essentially, like pushing forward this great system that will make humanity more efficient eventually. So fascinated, really, man. Let's talk about some of your experiences in building up the community of BTC PayServer. You're seen as a leader in that. So tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, those guys are, I don't know if, if they would vote me as a leader, maybe as a chief entertainer or something. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, again, I, it's, it, we can come back to the previous question of open source and it's, it's just that. Like people see what you're doing and then they, they can help you. They can look at it and say, you know, this is missing or that is missing. You know, maybe I have this knowledge that's, that's needed. And when, when I look at our translator community, for example, um, I, I love, I love all those people, even though I don't know, you know, <laughs> most of them because I somebody's helping you you are helping them it's it's poetry in motion man really and for me when i when i joined up i really like joined because i wanted to code something with nicholas i mean we we knew each other before this project and i was following his work and basically said him you know whenever you need plus one while well, I'm there. And then he started this BTC pay server stuff. Uh, it also allowed me, like it, it was a good opportunity because I spent a lot of time uh, being anonymous troll on Reddit, <laughs> talk, right? And you can argue, you know, so much with people before you go crazy. So I was, I was really frustrated and, demoralized with you know civil war and everything that was happening and i had skills i wanted to utilize those skills so when nicola started btc pay server i was like yeah let me join in let me not argue with people if craig wright is a satoshi man i after 20 a discussion when somebody was saying yeah craig wright is satoshi i just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't <laughs> explain to people why, why he's not. And this was back 
again what 2017 2016 but yeah i didn't join nicholas and from there it was just whenever good person joins you want to be there you know to greet them to interact with them to see what skills they have what 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 skills they possess are not used in their everyday life and btc pay server can use it and people people are great people will do phenomenal stuff as long as you just give them opportunity to do so so that's really all i've tried when it comes to building up community and then considering my experience you know with being in software industry for so long i really wanted to you know uh, add people around nicholas because he's this you know peter pan man if you look at his history he's always you know doing something amazing and then jumps to the next thing and with btc pay server i really wanted to to see you know if he can be supported more by people because he he's not like some of the people that are very loud and have a huge reach he's so focused on the code and i really wanted to help a little bit with that and you know add people around him that will further amplify what he's doing and man it's it's been phenomenal like i can maybe try to take credit but really it was it was just luck man <laughs> really <laughs> especially when you look at people like pavle cooks brit kelly Asky, phenomenal people. It's just thank you guys for you know <laughs> being on the project with with me. So, so tell us a little bit about how people fall down the BTC pay server rabbit hole. For example, do they join the Mattermost chat group and then they start hanging out and then they try and contribute in a certain area? What's that process look like? Well, yeah, the way that I see is people essentially see something that bothers them and then they do something about it, maybe come to Mattermost, start interacting, and as soon as they start talking with me, they fall in love and stay forever on the project. <laughs> You're no. just a charming man, Rockstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, really, if, if I think about... Pavle, Pavle really was kind of like that. He he came and he was helping with documentation. And I, I guess BTC Pay Server project was the first project that really, you know, like noticed and acknowledged everything that he was doing because, man, he contributed a lot even before BTC Pay Server. Then for Cooks, yeah, with Cooks, he's just crazy, man. <laughs> you, you, you will see. He's just crazy, and he codes. And when I when I was saw that, I was just trying to get him. Uh, you know, the more I can connect him with Nicholas, the better it is. Because with programmers, you you do want this what I call vibration. Like you want two people that are vibrating off of each other. You know. Some one person does this, other person does that, and they just keep amplifying. So, 
And Britt Kelly, yeah, Britt Kelly, as I already said, she's an angel that fell from the sky and is trying to help humanity, you know, beat entropy. So, Rockstar, I'm also curious to ask you a little bit about your philosophy. I've heard it's called Rockstarism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I'm, I'm really philosophy buff. Like really big into philosophy and with rockstarism, it's really another joke. And I say it's a branch of nihilistic philosophy that it acknowledges the nihilistic philosophy, essentially that it says, yeah, everything is pointless, right? Everything <laughs> sucks. But with rockstarism, we need to take, you know, optimistic twist about it, you know? Like, yeah. Exactly, because everything sucks and everything is pointless. Like, let's do fun stuff, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I actually, when we were talking back about building up community and the whole thing with Britt Kelly being an angel, man, it it does come back to rockstarism and and uh, building up community because it's it's interaction between people and the stuff that we don't know. Those are the interesting topics. And I think also when we talk about this podcast, for example, like the, the, the whole interaction between two individuals, you know, philosophizing about certain topics, like that's the, the, the core of, you know, the whole experience and why people listen to this and participate and like, so more power to philosophy yeah. and if anybody wants to expand their knowledge reach out let's talk about rockstarism and that optimistic twist and all of us being rock stars and contributing so <laughs> i love that i love the uh the way you sort of act on twitter as well you're sort of like oh it's fine you can take it out of me but we're just all gonna keep building and keep going anyway and that's that's kind of the way you operate yeah yeah i mean for me, especially especially a few months back when there were all that fun fun stuff with the attacks on the project and everything else, I, I do think my philosophical background helped with that. Although I'm not sure if people understood that I was serious or they thought I was trolling because I was mentioning, yeah, we need to go back in time and kill Vitalik. But <laughs> I mean, you read that post or no? Um, I'm not sure if I read that particular yeah, post. No. We need to link that post. I was actually being serious. I mean, if we invent time machine and go back and kill Vitalik, like save all the resources being wasted on Ethereum and all that, like we'll just have... <laughs> no. But we will just have the bigger problem with with Justin Tron. And that, <laughs> what is the other name? Like Bite Master, like right? Uh, Dan Larimer. Yeah, the the one that just keeps building the system, and and just when the money runs out, he has the new idea for the new project. I mean, that guy is so much fun, man. But but anyways, yeah. If we take out Vitalik, we have even bigger problems. So yeah, I I really think my background in philosophy, like shows there that everything is for for the reason and we should keep supporting 
lesser evil essentially because it's you don't over always have you know good choice and and bad choice most of the time it's just you need to pick between lesser evils on the topic of less evil how about the topic of good in the open source funding model around the world of bitcoin who are some people who do it well well a lot a lot of people are doing it well and I'm really hoping that eventually, as we transition maybe towards having more and more of Bitcoin ecosystem being, you know, open source, because today it's not. Today, really, the companies that are making the most money in Bitcoin ecosystem are really closed source, focused on you know, stockpiling more power. And again, the ones that contributed to the ecosystem good for them but the ones that didn't like we need to find alternatives and yeah for, for me looking at for example rtl ride the lightning that's awesome project i mean lnd itself also loved the way they're organized sea lightning again but but really like the non-funded open source project i would say like ride the lightning really really great project then uh, what pierre richard is doing with uh, whole things bringing the people up up and running with full nodes that's freaking fantastic and finally i'm really really looking forward to seeing what will happen with square crypto how that will completely play out I had the opportunity to talk with uh, a crew there in Square Crypto and lately with uh, Stephen Lee, who was hired to spearhead the effort. And the guy is just like, I didn't know him before, but when I met him, first talk, second talk, he's phenomenal, man. You always, you always want high energy people. And this guy is so high energy that i can't wait to see what will happen with square crypto effort yeah i had the chance to meet him as well in san francisco just briefly but uh, my experience of him was really great as well he's really sounds like a really switched on guy and the way he's trying to help project manage bitcoin and project you know bitcoin development is really really smart idea so yeah yeah i always i always want people that you know you look in the eye and you see you're clicking and then as soon as you're done, they're back with something. And that's what I get with Steve. It's, it's just constant stream of energy. And I can't wait to see that, you know, energy harnessed. And hopefully we have this explosion of all the services being open source and then people being able to, you know, that self-sovereignty component. Yeah. Um, speaking of open source software funding i'm also interested to discuss tor do you want to uh, expand on that a little bit yeah i would be really glad to talk about that because btc pay server itself like we we are not funded at this point by anybody right <laughs> it's just a yeah. bunch of people coming together and self-funding it and yeah nicholas helped a lot with funds actually uh, some other people from Bitcoin community, we did have a fundraiser 
and uh, it's yeah I would use this opportunity whoever donated even if you donated a dollar thank you it's really great to be a community project in that sense uh, but uh, we essentially built this crowdfunding and uh, used it first for us and it was successful people like that model simply so what we started thinking you know if if we ourselves can't uh, be sustainably funded let's in, let's at least try to make it happen for somebody else and uh, <laughs> right like do do good so tor came up uh, as as a project that we definitely want to support and bitcoin community like everybody loves tor right because it is very important open source project. So we reached out to them, came up with the agreement. And actually, I think the day after you release this podcast, there should be a Tor crowdfunding campaign up and running. So people, please be on a lookout for that. And uh, again, it will be Bitcoin focused. It will be hosted by BTC Pay server. We'll have a lot of great people uh, supporting it, including you, Stefan, probably. <laughs> so, of course, of course. So, yeah, I mean, just come together, uh, enjoy, you know, fun time together, interact over Twitter, and try to repeat. You know, it probably won't be as we're, we're all hodlnut. It won't be as big bang as that was but still we'll we'll have fun man it's one of those things that you can uniquely use btc pay server where every other option is gone you can you, you pretty much you can still fundraise with btc pay server so that is an interesting point of differentiation that btc pay server can offer compared to basically any other payment processor yeah yeah i mean it, it all comes from that self-sovereignty like the fact that you control 100% of the technology. And I, I often try to explain to people that BTC Pay Server is not really like payment processor as much as it's really becoming a technology stack. And you have more and more people that just use BTC Pay Server to run their nodes. Or they use BTC Pay Server as a starting point for their own development. Uh, I, for example, love what uh, Jeff did with Patron Libre, Libre Patron, where he essentially provided Bitcoin alternative for Patron. The only problem is nobody like really took it forward. Instead, people are trying to build something newer from scratch. Well, they really should be supporting that effort. So. So yeah, I mean, that that's again, we, we were talking at the beginning of a podcast why I like BTC Pay Server and it's exactly that, like that 100% control. Of course, for some people, like too much control, just like they can't do 100% because of the knowledge, but I believe we should always start from that premise, you know, 100% control and then eventually as the ecosystem develops there will be people that host for the others and then you know if that hosting doesn't work out you always have the 
option to go toward more control, you know, for yourself. Fantastic. And with the Hodler Not campaign, so as the listeners probably are aware, there was the lightning torch and Hodler Not was famously the one who started this. And then when uh, Craig Stephen Wright, the, the fraudster, tried to <laughs> sue Hodler Not, there was a big campaign. So tell us where BTC Pay Server came in there and some lessons from that. Yeah, but what do you mean fraudster, man? The man is Satoshi, right? <laughs> <laughs> no the, the, the best video i mean the, one of the best video because craig is really entertainment man but the best video is that uh, guy yelling at him like fake toshi fake toshi <laughs> he's like you goodbye fake toshi yeah <laughs> goodbye fake toshi <laughs> so yeah but with hodl i actually just happened to meet the guy few months back because we we had this crazy meet between you know people in, in the bitcoin space i mean to be honest there were some also people that are what shit coiners shall we call them that <laughs> i mean yeah they'll be like we're we're all hot lot yeah that's the name of the campaign but uh it was a great meet with great people it wasn't bitcoin shitcoin it was more like dgen like that was the the title and i loved the guy really and we stayed in touch after that and then the whole craziness with craig happened where they're just looking for promotion and piling on this guy that can't defend himself because of the some stuff and they unfortunately identify that and you know how jerks are whenever they identify the weakness they just start pounding it more yeah yeah but luckily we have twitter and really all the action on twitter is in dms like i must say <laughs> like this all the actions in dms people like this public thing with likes and retweets no it's not there so yeah the pretty good group formed around uh, around the idea that we should do something and uh, from there it was just execution i mean we really moved fast really fast and uh, i can see that some people are still playing with the domain names with you know loser.com and <laughs> and the other domain names but we actually wanted initially we actually wanted to use some interesting domain names to drive the campaign but in the end lawyers wouldn't let us so we only went where we are all hotlot.com so just it, it was phenomenal man it was really phenomenal and i guess that that's also where we really took it to the next level and understood that we can use this technology for more fundraising and that's why i'm excited for tour to see how it will follow up and from there really whatever community like whatever cause community identifies is good if you know we are needed from like btc based server team will be there to help and and support with technology excellent well that sounds great i'm, I'm also interested to just talk a little bit about 
if you had any experiences in terms of growing up and living in hyperinflation, did you have anything you wanted to touch on there? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm really, I was really impacted with the fact that, you know, growing up, you had the government doing what what it was doing back in like former Yugoslavia, and I, I, it it really left a big mark on me. And w- w- when I think about all those formative years, uh, I, I really needed to take some time to come to terms with what was happening. And then actually when I discovered cypherpunks and the whole cypherpunk movement, I was really glad because I understood I'm not completely crazy. And these things <laughs> that are important to me, like, you know, privacy, by default and all that stuff it, it it wasn't just me or the impact of situation in which i was growing up but rather there are people that even you know grew up here in us and were sensitive on those issues and understanding how important they are and for hyperinflation itself i mean it just just that unfortunate thing of you know power corrupting where you are telling to yourself that you're doing something for the greater good, right? And uh, when you have control over money, that temptation to print money just to, you know, make things right is is so, so, so huge. And with hyperinflation, yeah, it's, it's just terrible, man. For me, when it... I thought I would be probably like the last generation to grow up, grow up in hyperinflation. But obviously, yeah, what did I know? <laughs> now, when I look, man, we have hyperinflations even today with all the countries, you know, something just goes wrong. And then government is like, oh, you know, foreigners want to invade us. We need to print more money, you know, to defend, you know, poor us. It's just so, so unfortunate. And I don't see that cycle breaking up until we have hyper-Bitcoinization, you know, like when, when we have, you know, the Bitcoin standard, essentially, because politicians is, is, if they have option to solve the problems by printing money, that's what they'll do. I mean, it just... That that's the way out. So, yeah, and I view BTC Pay Server as a important project as part of that mission because the other thing is in the past other attempts have been co-opted by the government. So PayPal got shot, you know, they got yeah. co-opted by the government, and so that's why a project like BTC Pay Server is so important. Yeah, and man, the the more you talk about how how much you love us, like the more I'm loving you. I mean, and I don't know how. Like, where is the end and where is the boundary limit? To this <laughs> uh, it, it, it is really that. And if you look even at the arc of history, it absolutely bends toward individual freedom. Like, as soon as we had the technology to make individuals more free, that's what happened. And... Uh, People are saying, I don't know, Bitcoin will disappear or this will disappear. No, it won't. I mean, people want to take 
to separate the state and money, the same way they separated state and religion for good reasons, because you do want that separation. You don't like as soon as you're technically able to have that separation, like you should do it. As soon as I don't know, you don't need old people to be farmers working in the field, being you know general generalist instead of specializing like that's what you do i mean and uh with with money it simply will happen people will people have been trying to separate money and uh and state for a long time and finally we have technology to make it happen so yeah that's that's what's coming up and what we will see and we will need a lot of technology to make that reality and to make it you know user friendly seamless and it just it's it's an honor really to be participating in that in, in whatever capacity all right so look turning our eye now to the future do mm-hmm. you have any ideas around future directions or ideas that btc pay might go down yeah, I mean, I would really talk first maybe about future of Bit- BTC based server itself, but then I do believe that future will be interesting in, in a wider perspective of whole Bit- Bitcoin ecosystem and how it will impact BTC based server. Because uh, number one thing for BTC based server absolutely is making it a sustainable project and a sustainable effort. Because right now, and ever since inception, it's really been going on a goodwill of everybody involved. And I am hoping that to see more support for the project that goes beyond, you know, love of you and me and this (laughs) individual people who love BTC Pay Server and gets more into uh, concrete help from companies that operate in Bitcoin ecosystem because we do want to use this model of, you know, 100% control by end user and individual, but still the code base that's flexible enough that can be run by some enterprise. So I would say that's number one thing for BTC pay server, that sustainability and whoever can help with that, please feel free to reach out to me and I'll be, I'll be glad to talk. Number two for BTC pay server when it comes to future is doing more work that will uh, further solidify BTC pay server as a development platform, you know, something that people can build on top of. And I already mentioned Jeff with his Patreon alternative, like that's fantastic service ride the lightning also you can run it on btc pay server and we really have good architecture that allows regardless of technology used you can plug in into btc pay server and and run and it's a fantastic platform and we will be doing more work to you know further make that like more easier and also build a new API that's free of BitPay legacy and bad design choices. Yeah. Excellent. So what about 
you then. I know there's a couple conferences coming up. Where can uh, any of the listeners, if they want to meet the legend in person, where can they find you? Yeah, well, the first one that's coming up is uh, Bitblock Boom in Dallas. And there is uh, also Great Dinner organized by SNI. Jeff will be lifting weights with people. I think that will be freaking fantastic. So that's the first conference. And then I'll uh, also be coming for that uh, Honey Badger in Riga. That, that one will be freaking crazy, man. Uh, I, I, I already am preparing people and uh, talking with, with the crew, that DGEN crew. So likely a lot of them will be there. They'll probably pile on me for the shit coiner comment, but you know what? We'll we'll be partying, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they won't mind it too much, but we'll we'll just have fun. And yeah, really on Twitter, whoever wants to reach out, talk, banter on anything, BTC based server, Bitcoin related, I'm always there. So holler and yeah, we'll We'll start interacting. Fantastic. So I think that's pretty much it. So just wanted to say thank you again for joining me today. Yeah, thank you, Stefan, for everything. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Make sure you donate to the Tor crowdfunding campaign and donate to BTC Pay Server. Also, share this episode and interview series with your friends so they can also get an insight into BTC Pay Server. Show notes are on my site, stefanlevera.com. That's it from me. Thanks, guys, and I'll speak to you soon.